Amazing. Thanks, Andy. Um, Great. So I'm going to start by reading our passage for this evening. Um, It's from John 16, verse starting at verse 5. And this is Jesus talking to the disciples shortly before his death. Now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can, know, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only when he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. And then skipping to verse 20. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. So today, um, I'm going to be talking about the topic of grief and loss. What are grief and loss? I think sometimes we can think grief is such a big emotion that can only be felt in kind of the extreme But actually grief is any experience in which you mourn the death of something, whether that's a relationship, an ambition, a dream or an aspiration. And then loss. Loss doesn't just have to be losing something physically, either a person or a place or a thing. Loss can be unrealized dreams like career dreams or not making it onto that sports team not having the life you envisaged at the age that you are, not getting the promotion you thought you'd get or the grade maybe that you thought you're capable of. Grief and loss are emotions that are just as much a part of our everyday life, our everyday emotions, just as much as joy or sadness or empathy or courage. And so when I was reflecting the last kind of week or two on this topic, on this reality, I kind of try to identify areas of my life where grief and loss is still present in my emotions. I thought about maybe some of the big losses in my life, like my parents' divorce or my grandma dying or my friend dying. I thought about situations too, like moving cities and losing touch with friends, you know, close friends, which has kind of caused me to grieve a different sort of loss. And then I've reflected on the last few years, all that I have lost and grieved as a result of the pandemic, like the freedom to see friends and loved ones, the ability to celebrate weddings or to grieve at funerals, or simply just to see my work colleagues in person for our weekly staff meetings. 
And then in the past weeks, I realised I'd actually been subconsciously grieving the loss of kind of safety and security I'd felt before the havoc of war started like bombarding our TV screens, let alone the empathy I felt towards the Ukrainian people and all that they have lost in the last few weeks. Grief and loss in our lives isn't, it's not a small topic because we all, every single one of us here will experience grief and loss in our lives. Perhaps today you're consumed about fear about what's going on in the world and like me, you're kind of feeling a a sense of loss of peace in your life. Perhaps you've experienced loss in your life when it comes to your job recently or perhaps you're facing maybe some unrealised dreams and you know the thought is that every, every morning when you wake up, the thought of those unrealized dreams sort of makes your stomach sink. I just want to say to you today, if this topic is very real and raw to you right now, my hope and my prayer for this talk is that you will know that there are so many people here standing alongside you. I hope you won't think at any point in this talk that I'm diminishing your pain or excusing it or saying it's what God wants for your life. God's heart my heart and so many people here's heart is breaking with yours. I just thought it was important to say that. I sometimes think we can feel it is faithless also to acknowledge that we have grief in our lives. I think all we can think that in order to have a successful life, we should focus on the positives and should be grateful all the time. We kind of buy into this false belief that in order to be a successful human being, we need to seem like we have it all together, seem positive all the time, instead of remembering that vulnerability is the key to connection. The pastor and speaker, Will Vanderhart, he's spoken a few times here at St. Nick's. He talks about how we don't often grieve and mourn or face our losses because we don't have like a safe space or a safe framework to do so. And he goes on to point out the things we lack, which mean we can't experience grief and loss in our lives. And he says these things are understanding, awareness, support, and confidence. When we don't have these things, these kind of assets in our emotional toolbox for understanding and processing grief, we might not be able to experience and process it in a healthy and spiritually growing way. So how do we process grief, loss, sorrow in a way that brings us spiritual growth? How do we acknowledge and work through pain in our lives to bring us into greater human flourishing and wholeness? In this passage, the disciples, they are sad and they're grieved about the fact that Jesus is going to leave them. And Jesus' words in this passage, I think, offer us some insight into some key principles that help us to process grief and loss. Firstly, we see in verse 6 and verse 12 of our passage, Jesus reminding the disciples to pay attention to their grief, to not to ignore it, but also while acknowledging that he has sent the Spirit to be with them in the pain and the sorrow. Two years ago, um, a friend of mine, a Matt's, an amazing, faithful guy called Caleb Meekins, um, aged Matt and my age, died in a tragic car accident in Ethiopia. And his death really shook Matt and I. How could something so unfair, so out of the blue, be allowed to happen to one of our own friends? 
it seemed like such a waste of an amazing life. You see, Caleb, he was one of a kind, the kind of person that other people gravitate towards. He Not just because of um, his talent and his charisma, but also he was just a really humble and fun-loving guy. And his amazingly, his life had been really shaped from a young age by the really tragic death of his own father in a plane crash. And Caleb had been told by surviving passengers who had been in the plane crash as well that as the plane plummeted to earth, his father stood up and shared his faith with all the other passengers on board. Amazing. Um, and amongst other th- many things in his life, um, in his short, short life, Caleb went on to set up um, something called Shift, which is aims to kind of resource young people to see a generation captivated by God. And he also ran um, a hugely popular YouTube series called My 40 Days, which is all about learning through failure. And it ended up becoming a TED Talk. Because of COVID, um, really tragically, his family weren't able to hold a memorial service kind of in the year or two after his death. So a few weeks ago, they held a memorial service. And sadly, Matt and I, we weren't able to be there in person, but we tuned in along with hundreds of other people to watch the service online. And I I contacted um, Caleb's family this week because I wanted permission to share with you today about how the service impacted Matt and I. It was one of the most astounding and beautiful public demonstrations of grief I've ever experienced. After a time of sung worship, um, work colleagues and prayer partners and uh, school friends and people from all walks of Caleb's life came up and they shared testimonies of who he was and what he had meant to them and the impact his life had had on them. Every person grieving in their own way stood in front of hundreds of others also grieving, pouring out their hearts in, in a way that was kind of honest and raw but also full of hope and joy about J- Caleb's amazing life. And Matt and I were left stunned actually by people's honesty and vulnerability and own, own emotional insight. There, there were so many things that um, I could share with you today about what was said, but something one of Caleb's prayer partners said really struck me. He said, in front of all these people, all these people watching line, he said, we need each other to grieve. We need each other to grieve. I think it can be so easy to believe the lie that we are alone in grief in our grief. But we have the spirit or the great counsellor, as it says in this passage. And we also have other people, spirit-filled friends, the church, people who can come alongside us in our grief. It can be so easy to accept the belief that no one else knows or understands what it's like to go through. But this simply isn't true. We're never, ever alone. And when we pay attention when we don't ignore our loss and grief, when we journey with grief through accountability and intentionality, allowing it to change and transform us in healthy ways, something can happen. Peter Scazzaro in this book that we've been journeying through talks about how the way we process our grief directly relates to, to the compassion that we have for other people. And I think this could maybe seem like a bit of a superficial thing to say. You know, you become a more compassionate person the more you process grief in a healthy way. But I do think from my own experience um, that there is something about some people 
You know who they are as I'm speaking right now. Some people who ooze compassion and love and grace and deep empathy for others. Um, For me, one of those people is my mother. My mother has been through lots of challenges in her life. Amongst many other things, she was adopted as a baby. Um, She went through the pain of a divorce with three young children. And then she went on to become a working single mum for many, many years. And then I will always remember the day I came home from school to discover her slumped on the floor of our kitchen weeping. I was um, 13 years old and that image will stick with me for the rest of my life probably. Hours earlier, two policemen had turned up at our doorstep and told her the tragic news that my beloved grandmother had died in tragic, tragic way. And... The shock and the grief and that it was so raw in that moment and the weeks and months and as you can see in the years um, that followed that and it changed us all as a family. Perhaps you can relate to her or maybe you're going through a similar situation right now. There are inspiring people in the world who are or have been, who've gone through deeply challenging situations, but are able to use that suffering to help to connect with others. And this is what my mum has gone on to do. I'm so proud of who she is. Um, Some of you might remember, I think it was last year or the year before, she did an interview with us online in lockdown. And she went on to set up one of the biggest counselling agencies in the southwest England. She used her experiences in this, of grief and pain and sorrow and loss to help others in similar situations. And I really believe that people like my mum are a gift to the church. I truly believe people who suffer in a way that reflects the way Jesus suffered are a gift to our communities and the world in which we live. They are the people that we should be bragging about and encouraging to lead. They are the ones who really know what it is to live and to love and to survive and to thrive in the world in which we live. The second thing I want to say about grief and loss is what Jesus reminds the disciples about in verse 20 of this passage. And it's this, as we wait in the confusion of loss and grief, there is always hope. As we wait in the confusion of loss and grief, there is always hope. Waiting for anything isn't easy, is it? I always say the very un-British thing that I'm allergic to queuing. Um, or arrogantly, I just can't bear wasting my life standing in a queue for something as if I'm really busy and important, you know, enough to be doing something else half the time. Not, I'm not. Um, Even my one-year-old, Isla, she hates waiting for stuff. At the moment, mainly she hates waiting for me to give her my iPhone so she can flick through it with her little pudgy finger. Even, you know, as young as the age of one as humans, we don't seem to like to wait for stuff. However, it is God's very nature to be patient. When the Holy Spirit descends, patience and waiting are always present. I never really thought a lot about this concept until this week, that it's in God's nature to be patient, to kind of exist patiently. That he doesn't always work by his spirit in situations immediately. That often there's a process of healing. So if it's part of God's nature to be patient and wait, If we have his spirit within us, why is it waiting so 
often so difficult? Why do we resist it or see it as such a negative thing? Because my third point is we discover so much in times of darkness when we allow the old to birth the new. Jesus says to his disciples in this passage in verse 20, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. He explicitly says in this passage that there will be times of grief and darkness in our lives. We can't get away from these times. We'll all go through them. What he isn't saying here is that he wants the disciples to go through them. He's just saying that, they're, that grief and loss and sadness and darkness, they're part of the human experience, of the sad reality of living in this fallen world in which we live. They, will be part of, they are part of what it means to be human. In a sermon preached to students at the University of Oxford during the outbreak of World War II in 1939, C.S. Lewis gave a talk called Learning in War. And as part of that talk, he said this, the only people who achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. The only people that achieve much are those who want knowledge so badly that they seek it while the conditions are still unfavorable. And he goes on to point out that in times of darkness and war and grief, these times highlight to us what is already a reality that we actually often choose not to see on a day-to-day basis. That we live in a world where people grieve and suffer and Tragically, children die and old people starve. This is a reality that happens every day. But when we're faced with something like war, like what's happening right now in the Ukraine, what happens is we can't ignore our own comfort, our own security, and the stark differences between you know, our picketed fenced houses and living on the floor of a refugee camp. And then, as C.S. Lewis puts it, because of this, we are compelled towards a life of learning, humbly offered to God. Comfort, peace, security, they're a privilege. They're not something to pursue and they're not places in which we change and grow and learn. Journeying in grief and loss, it's not a straightforward thing. And anyone who is currently or has been through a cycle of grief will testify to this, why it's often called a cycle we often end up back where we started. Matt and I recently went on a, on a walk in, uh, in, on holiday when we were in Wales. And halfway through, we realised that we'd lost our dog lead. So we, we had our dog with us. It was a bit of an issue. Um, and Matt, with his brilliant OS map app, which he has on his phone, which he's the greatest evangelist for, and ask him, apparently, it will change your life, insisted that he could navigate us back, retracing our steps. However, he definitely did not do that. And we ended up doing some kind of weird loop. And I don't even know what happened. Anyway, we definitely didn't end up in a heated conversation. It did. But anyway, sometimes grief can feel like we're just going round and round in circles. But actually, sometimes it can become the foundation for a new beginning, a new path ahead, If we follow Jesus' will and direction for our grief, sometimes a new adventure can begin. So, you're not alone as you attend to your grief. As you wait in the confusion, there's always hope. 
And you can discover so much in times of darkness if you allow the old to birth anew. Three stages of kind of processing grief, and they're based on what Scazzaro calls God's three phases for processing grief and loss. And I have to say I found them helpful. Having some sort of framework or tools to help in these dark times can sometimes, if you want it to, in the midst of it all, take some of the power off the emotions and refocus it back onto God and your own human ability. We live in a world of brokenness, of suffering and pain. And these run in parallel with joy and wholeness. They don't alternate. They kind of run alongside each other, battle, blessing, battle, blessing. But we also live in a society which at every turn kind of provides opportunities to run away, to escape, to numb the hard stuff. I don't know about you, but my social media usage rockets when I'm going through something difficult. And as Christians, the reality of suffering and grief and loss, the emotions, the pain, these feelings bring with them are no different to anyone else. But also as Christians, we have someone to model to us a way to process grief and loss that changes the world. We have Jesus. I had the privilege um, to visit Israel a few years ago. And I'll always say the most powerful place I visited while I was there was Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus was before his death. To stand in the place where Jesus himself uttered the words, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It was so, so powerful. And as we come to communion in a few moments, we can know and remember that Jesus knows what it is to grieve, to feel the depths of pain to the point of death. But he was also the most compassionate person who ever walked the face of the planet a compassion that like flowed out into the world around it and transformed it. We can look to Jesus in our pain and know that he understands, but also know the good news that he offers a way to heal. And after time, perhaps if we want to allow it, transform the world in which we live as well. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you came by your son to this world and that you know what it is to grieve. You know what it is to experience loss. That you know those emotions and the depths of sorrow. But we also thank you that you offer us a way to heal Jesus. You offer us a way forward in our grief. And Jesus, as we each come today with our own feelings, our own situations, our own emotions, Lord, we thank you that you are with us. You are always with us in them all. Amen.